Hello, and we say good day to you at this moment of your time. We are the Pleiadian Council, and we speak on behalf of the Galactic Alliance, supporting your world in this process. Some of you call Ascension. We, first of all, begin by thanking you for allowing this transmission to take place, for it is a gift and an honor to be able to meet you. And as our realities intersect and interweave, we both grow tremendously through the reflections that we offer each other, allowing you and ourselves both to come into a deeper understanding of and connection to the one source. And for this, we are deeply appreciative and we thank you very much. So we come to your world through these telepathic means, though this isn't the only way that we access your world. Beings like ourselves are present in ships around your planet observing you, supporting you, and sometimes sending you frequency transmissions, sometimes interacting with you in astral states. There are many other beings as well who come from the realm of the earth, beings who have ascended through the realm of human incarnation to become what you know as ascended masters. And all of these different realms support you if you would be so curious to reach out to them. If you open yourself to imagination and open yourself to feeling in a deep way, you might feel some of these energies present with you and interacting with you in this hour or so. If you aren't interested in that or aren't believing that yet, you can simply pay attention to the information because Regardless of what you choose to believe, the information that we share is enough to change your experience of your reality in a very deep way. So, we thank you for being here and being open. Your world is undergoing a great shift. It is a literal transition from one level of consciousness to another, and from one dimension of awareness to another. You exist within many dimensions, though you are coming to understand the aspects of yourself that operate in higher dimensions. These dimensions are beyond the limited construct of space and time. And in order to understand how, for example, consciousness and beings like ourselves are able to be here with you now, you can operate from this notion that everything is here and now. That while you incarnate into the physical plane with its experience of a moment-by-moment linear time, this is one level of reality that is in a sense a distortion of higher levels of reality that don't have that frame-by-frame experience of time at all. In these other planes, if you intend to be somewhere sometime, you're there. And beings like ourselves who are not bound by time and space can interact with you on those multidimensional levers whenever you choose to reach out to us. The means of raising your own consciousness in this way is not as difficult as some of you make it out to be. There are many 
tools and meditations and ways of getting there. Though, what is most foundational? We like to explain to you as a formula. We are not the only ones to speak of such a formula. So we won't claim it in that way. But we will point to it as one of the most valid ways to both raise your frequency to higher levels of consciousness and as well to be in a greater easeful flow of manifestation. This formula is to act upon your highest passion to the best of your ability with zero insistence on a particular outcome. When we say passion, we're not necessarily speaking about the romantic connotations of passion, though that is certainly a valid expression of it. Passion, in this sense, is the embodiment of love. And love is so important because love is the essence of all things in this universe and even beyond. The one source or creator established this particular universe on the principle of unconditional love. And therefore, everything is built out of that unconditional love. Any entity beyond this realm is either choosing to align with Source's love or to distort it into a different kind of energy. So everything you can see on that spectrum between love and fear, which is not necessarily an absence of love, but it is a distortion of it. So love as the highest potential frequency and the essence of all things is how you come to align with source. When you feel love, that becomes your predominant vibration. And as this universe is built upon laws of resonance, meaning attraction and repulsion, you attract the vibration of love when that is where your energy predominantly focuses. So it's as simple as the way that when you smile to another person, they can't help but smile back most of the time. Some of them won't because their frequency is too focused in that negative realm. But the whole universe is conscious. It isn't just other life forms that have this consciousness. It is an interactive web of life around you that is made of this consciousness and reflects the energy that you put out. So when you return to the vibration of love, that is the energy that the universe will bring back to you. How do you do this, though? It's actually very simple. When you do what you love, you will feel love. It's that simple. When you choose to make all of your actions centered in what you love to do, then that will become your overall vibration. And when many people here follow your calling, they apply 
the principles that you've learned based upon linear time, thinking this means I need a five-year plan of how I'm going to get from here to what I love. And they project all of the stories of your societies and cultures that describe the perfect life, the dream life, onto what they think love is. And they end up doing all sorts of things that they don't love to do, thinking that they will one day bring them to the thing that they want and therefore will bring them love. But this is not the fastest way to get there, and it will inevitably cause you to manifest more obstacles along the way. This is in every single moment. When you see all of the choices before you, choose the one that resonates with this highest potential frequency of love. You can imagine that you're at a crossroads and that you walk forward down all of the paths before you, seeing the steps that will take place, the people you might interact with, the places that it will take you if you make that one choice, and feel how that feels in your body. Feel how that feels, most importantly, in your heart, because this is where this energy is centered, and this is the center of intuition and wisdom. When you notice at those crossroads what your heart says yes to, that is the clear path. And this goes from the simplest decisions, such as where do we go out to eat tonight, to the biggest decisions, such as how am I going to focus my career or my home or whatever it is. So when you start off with these small decisions, it will snowball and you will keep your frequency in that high vibration loving place where more and more things aligned with your intentions and resonating with that frequency of unconditional love will come towards you. The next step of the formula is to act upon what you love to do to the best of your ability. It's simple. Do your best and use all of your talent and all of the resources available to you within you and outside of you in the form of information, in the form of contacts, in the form of community, to make sure that when you act upon what you love to do, you're doing it the best way that you could possibly do it. Then finally, you release all insistence on a particular outcome. And so taking the analogy of walking on a path, you think you're heading to one particular direction, and you're very excited about getting there, but all of a sudden, you see that there is a huge felled tree in the way that you cannot really cross. But there's another path available to you. Do you bemoan that you thought you were going this particular way to a certain destination, when all of a sudden there's a new path that feels appealing to you, that has another direction to take you. When you are open to the twists and turns that your path takes, you are able to adapt quickly and have a quick response to find a new pathway. And sometimes, oftentimes, this pathway is even better than when you, where you thought you would be going. 
but you don't realize that in the moment a lot of the time. Having no insistence on a particular outcome means that when you encounter obstacles, when you encounter failure, when you encounter things that you don't prefer, that you use them in a positive way no matter what. Because the quicker you can return to that positive state of unconditional love, the more the universe will bring you things that resonate with that frequency of unconditional love. So everything then that happens is either a blessing or it is a lesson. The lesson allows you to figure something out that you wouldn't have been able to learn any other way. And when you integrate that lesson, it will support you in walking forward on your path and not making the same mistakes that you already made so that you can really do it to the best of your ability and get where you think you're going. <coughs> but the purpose of this isn't what you desire and what you think you're supposed to have. The purpose of this is to raise your frequency into higher and higher degrees of love and passion. The nature is you will always want more. The nature is, no matter how much you know, there's always going to be more to know. And so many of you think that when you get to a certain point, then you'll just be happy. But that's never the case if you focus on the destination, not the process. Wherever you go, you're going to be wanting more. So you might as well learn how to cultivate that sense of non-attachment early into the process so that you can enjoy the feeling of desiring expansion, of desiring to experience more love. And as you experience more and more of this unconditional love, you return to your essential state that is the state of source. Source is unconditional love. So by doing what brings you into that frequency, you are returning to the essence of source. And the more you do this, the more you become your true self. And that itself is sort of a paradox, because your true self is nothing other than who you are now. But you create many false stories about who you are and who you're not. You create many definitions about what is good and right and what isn't. And these stories often keep you from exploring what you actually love doing and often keep you chasing for things that you seek not for the sake of pure love, but seeking conditional love in the form of the approval of other people in your life or in your culture. And by learning how to return back onto yourself and recognize the very purpose of your existence is to be who you are and what you love is the clearest way of bringing you into your most essential self, you'll recognize that None of these conditional forms of love have any relevance. And you will stop seeking them. And you'll find the more you stop seeking conditional love, the more unconditional love you experience and the more energy comes to you from all realms, human and spiritual. 
This is the essence of our message, and we understand that many of you have already expanded so much in this process and understand these teachings in a great way. And we hope to take you deeper. We hope to answer your questions. We hope to allow you to master this so that you can become effortless in the way that you create reality for yourself and the way that you navigate shifts between various dimensions where there are many different guides willing to support you. So our thanks to you in allowing us to share this message with you. And now we will ask you, in which ways could we be of service to you with any of your questions, comments, musings, sharing, stories, and other sorts of feedback? Beginning whenever you wish. I'll start. All right. So you mentioned the that intuition, the center of intuition is the heart. Yes. Why is it then that a lot of people refer to possibly it being in the lower gut type area? That's another level of intuition. Okay. This intuition in the gut is your physical intuition having to do with things that are very much of this human realm, it often will deal with a sense of safety. Your heart may, might be guiding you in a direction, but all of a sudden, if your gut starts to contract, there could be something there that is not necessarily ideal or safe. Your gut-level intuition is still very valid, and it's all interwoven with your heart intuition as well. Actually, your heart and your gut have net neural networks and neurotransmitters just like the ones in your brain. And so there's an interweaving between all of them. Though your heart itself has the most powerful neural network, and it also creates the most powerful magnetic field of any part of your body. So this is the center of your being, wherein your connection to from the physical expands into the connection with the non-physical. And that's where that first intuitive glimmer initially sparks within you. Yes. So I have a question. Yes. Um, what is the correlation between the uh, Galactic Alliance in comparison to the Galactic Federation? Different names for the same thing. Okay. Thank you. Yes. What do you learn from us? We learn about the process of evolution, and it supports us in contacting many other sorts of beings similar to you, as there are many beings already in this galactic alliance that are at a certain level of consciousness where we are capable of interacting with each other. And there are many other beings that have not yet evolved to that point. And we in the galactic alliance observe and interact with these different beings in their own realms and we learn very much in the process of what works what doesn't and of course your world is very interesting to us it is unusual as 
all worlds are very unique. So we are very curious. We're always learning more about how things work for you as humans. Yes. Um, you talk about evolution, and we are evolving with this ascension from three D to five D. Like, yes. I'm still learning. I've got my little training wheels on. All right. Where does the fourth dimension come into it? Like, what does that mean? The fourth dimension is time. So you already exist within this dimension. When you think of what could happen in the future or you replay what happened in the past, you're having a sort of fourth dimensional experience and you do this throughout the day as you're planning. So you're really fourth dimensional beings because your consciousness can navigate between these different time spaces. Though moving to the fifth dimension means that you go into that space where everything is here and now and it's all one essence. And so the nature of this fifth dimension is a feeling of unconditional love and a feeling of all here-ness, all now-ness. I have a question. All right. Um, um, everyone's seeking to understand their purpose and I'm kind of going through this process where I'm like, will anyone ever understand their purpose in human form or will that, does that only come when you've passed and you go, oh, that was my purpose? <laughs> Your purpose is to be who you are. It's nothing more, it's nothing less. You're living your purpose already in many ways. Though you'll accelerate the development of your purpose by doing what you love to do. So again, that's why there is this formula. That is what allows you to fulfill your purpose. Because by doing what you love, you raise your frequency to the highest degree of love possible. And as you do that, that energy ripples out to others around you, supporting them in doing the same thing, thus bringing your whole world closer to that vibration of unconditional love. The purpose of all existence is for source to move from that mm, contrasting state of duality where the unconditional loves manifest into the physical realm wherein fear has to be born and then moving from deep states of fear gradually and gradually back into love developing self-awareness in the process that is why these realms of incarnation exist. It's to give Source the experience of contrast because before there was any manifestation, Source did not have self-awareness. And so the whole purpose of existence is Source with self-awareness. And you are Source developing self-awareness. So when you understand what you love, you get to know yourself in the clearest way. And doing that is very much your purpose. And you might, in your life, experience many things that you find to be fulfilling. That's your purpose. You might help many other people and you might be filled with love for that. That is your purpose. You might enjoy art and creativity and good times with loved ones. And that fills your heart. So that is your purpose. And in this way, everything that you love is interrelated and interwoven because you're continually building upon that frequency of love with anything that you love. And 
by raising your frequency, you stabilize at that higher frequency that again continues to build momentum and attract to you more things that resonate with the frequency of unconditional love. That's why you're here. That's your purpose. Ask something else about um, your, your mission in, in comparison to your purpose. Well, that's a definition, that's a story, <coughs> uh-huh. it's in a sense a mythology. Do you understand what we're saying? A mythology, yes. It's a mythology of your realm and other realms. Other planets share this. But it's a story that you've given birth to that has become a part of your collective consciousness. Because Source did not create with a mission. Source created with a purpose, but not a mission. Source was essentially just curious. It wanted to discover and explore creatively. And thus it birthed the created realms including physical realms and non-physical realms. There's no mission, there's no assignment, so to speak, but you can conceive of it in that way. Yes. So, many of your organizations, religions, nation-states, and so on and so forth, have come up with these stories of missions to conquer this, to convert that, to change this, to save that. And all of these are stories that play out in your consciousness. You can find them alive as different archetypes that exist within you. They're real, but they're not essential. You have archetypes of the hero, the victim, the villain, You have archetypes of the savior, archetypes of the priest, of the teacher, archetypes of many other different sorts of roles that you play. And while you may enjoy these roles and they can be a part of experiencing your purpose of returning to unconditional love, they're not essential. Thank you. You're welcome. I ask as a lead on from that then, what of the story that a lot of us have heard of the 144,000 and their supposed mission? Is that just a story that was created? Yes, in a sense. Though it also is coming from both sacred geometry and this awareness that you all have an essential vibration. You are shifting in and out of reality, much like a light bulb is continually flickering. It's not always on and emitting light, but it gives you the semblance that it is. Your energy body is shifting back and forth between physical and non-physical reality in every moment. And one... 144,000 is the amount of cycles per second that you will shift back and forth 
when you are at a ascended state as a collective. There are some of you who are already beyond that level of vibration. Though when the global average is at that level, that is when a planetary level ascension or shift into another dimensional perspective becomes possible. Yes. What is the average collective cycles per second now? On the like on the planet as a one hundred and two thousand. What do humans need to do to increase that? Follow the formula of doing what they love the most to the best of their ability without insisting on a particular outcome. And of course, there's many other manifestations that this will involve as well, like efforts towards peace, efforts towards sustainability, so on and so forth. Because fear, as the opposite of love, is what creates overconsumption and it is what creates the notion of difference that isn't essentially real. And these fears create destructive acts that continue perpetuating the vibration of fear. So dismantling fear-based beliefs is an essential part of the process as well. And would it be fair to say that a lot of humans then get caught up with the story of their purpose being tied to their earnings and their income and their money fulfilling them? Yes. Many people do get stuck on that. And it isn't to say that you don't need money because we recognize that you do. Though the belief and story that you will be happy once you have it is what keeps many people stuck because they stop prioritizing happiness in the moment and they look forward forever to the happiness they'll achieve when they reach a goal. Is there a dimension above yours and are there yes. that speak to you? Yes. What are their lessons for you? Well, we are what you consider quasi-physical. So that means we exist on a threshold between physical reality and non-physical reality. And we get to choose which experience we uh, prefer for our intention in any given moment. So in non-physical realms, there is still a sort of shape and form to experience, though it is based upon principles of instantaneous manifestation based on intention. And we get to explore realms of this nature while also having the ability to interact with beings who are incarnate in a physical realm. 
and we get to even manifest ourselves into physical realms when it suits our preferences. There are levels of consciousness that are entirely non-physical, and we often seek to these beings for guidance as to what it is like to go even further beyond into less and less dense dimensions of experience. What of the story of divine, <coughs> divine union between a pair of souls or two human beings or even within a human being? Within yourself, you do experience this. You experience this when you reach a certain state of stabilization into the frequency of unconditional love, when there's not so many negative beliefs that pull you back into lower dimensional states, and you are, in a sort sense, solidified in your awareness and understanding of yourself as one with Source. This unconditional love permeates your being, and no matter what happens, you return to it quite quickly. That is a sort of divine union. The divine union between souls is based upon that, really. When two souls are both realized at that level, they can help expand each other's realization and take each other deeper into that awareness. Because all is one thing, the bond between souls expressed as love in a romantic sense can be something that creates an even deeper awareness that these barriers between you are not essentially real, that they are permeable, and that you can dissolve them, at least temporality, temporally, to experience a deeper sense of oneness. The part of this that might not be entirely true that's often shared along with this is the notion that you have another half of your soul out there that you will meet in human form. Because that is not how a soul works. A soul is a complete thing. A soul is already one with source, essentially, and is already complete and perfect in its own right. The soul is part of a soul group or an oversoul that contains many other souls that are incarnated both in the so-called past and future and in the present and in other dimensions and parallel realities. And you sometimes do find yourself in relationship with people who are part of the same soul group or the same oversoul. Oftentimes when you get very close to these people, it will be an experience of soulmates. But there are many soulmates that you could have. It's not just one. And that isn't to say don't seek that, because you can have that sort of a monogamous deep connection with somebody where you share 
a journey together and expand each other's self-realization in the process, or you can choose something else. That's very much up to you. You won't always notice right away. Though, oftentimes, when you do, there will be a sense of familiarity with this person. Or, you will have a very strong response to their energy immediately. It isn't always positive. Sometimes, members of your soul group are people you've had a challenging engagement with in another lifetime. They might trigger you from the beginning and eventually become your friend, or they might be that lover that you share such an amazing time with and later becomes an immense enemy. But in that conflict, there are still many soul lessons being experienced and karmic growth that is taking place that nonetheless classifies them as a member of your soul group. what it means when you meet someone in all your chakras and then you feel like kind of Kudalini? In an attraction to them or in a like sort of admiration? Randomly, randomly. Randomly. Yes, that can certainly mean that you are part of that same soul group. Or sometimes that is the experience of a resonant transference of energy in which that being is at a very high vibration and they're transmitting that energy to you and you're experiencing it viscerally in your body, opening you and awakening you. This is why it is common in some cultures to seek the presence of a master who is enlightened. All right. Um, individually, do do you see things happening to us? Or if I was to ask a personal thing relating to me, do you see personal yes things regarding me? Yes. What do you see? What specifically are you asking us to look for? Okay. Um, career and relationship. Are you happy in those realms? Yep. All right. That's good. Keep being happy then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that I could or need to do differently? What would you like to improve? I guess... <clears throat> um, if I get down to the nitty-gritty, the relationship I'm in might need some spiritual teaching. All right. Not, well, I'm very open to all kinds of ascension, but my partner has no concept whatsoever at all about anything. And is that an obstacle in some way? Is 
he doing anything that is causing you discomfort? It could be a belief. But it's, I'm not quite sure how to teach or guide or train or... You might not need to. It might not be relevant for him. If you love him and if you experience attraction and you experience a compatible cooperative partnership where you're able to grow in some areas together that are exciting for you, then the relationship's working. Mm-hmm. So your spiritual companion doesn't necessarily have to be into the same subjects as you. You can be into ideas that are esoteric and mysterious, and they might not be. What matters is that you awaken great feelings of love in each other, and you support each other, and you treat each other in healthy ways. And you can be on your path and expand into whatever spiritually suits you, and he can not do that, but it won't necessarily affect you in a negative way unless you believe that it has to. Yes. What would be the best way to, you know, we can understand the concept of raising your vibrational frequency, um, but what would be the, you know, the fastest way for oneself to do that? Well, you might have heard us say this. Act on your highest passion to the best of your ability without insisting on a particular outcome. Did you hear us say that? We're just checking. So I have a question moving on from that. And I've been following my excitement more than I ever have in my whole life. And it is so fun and so joyous and so outrageous and... The manifestations that are happening are very instantaneous, they're magical, they're breathtaking and intoxicating, and there aren't even words to describe how it's happening. What I I want to get better at being okay with the speed that it's happening because sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming because I feel like I'm on a rocket ship that's traveling at 50 bazillion miles an hour and sometimes it's very fast. So it's finding the peace in the speed. Who's to say it's not supposed to go this fast? Oh, I feel like it is, but because I'm, it, it's so fast All right. <laughs> that... It can be, I'm finding it overwhelming sometimes. It's like living in the twilight zone and I feel like I'm dreaming and it's amazing. What if life isn't going too fast, but you are? That's okay too. Because when you keep your frequency high, that same rate of manifestation will continue. Yes, I know. But... It doesn't mean you have to rush around. It doesn't mean you have to do 10,000 different things. It can mean that you still take your day slowly and casually, knowing that all of these things are happening. It might mean that you do it at your own pace, but still know that more is coming. Yeah, and I feel I am slower and I'm doing less 
as well than I've ever done. And the more I do that, the more it speeds up too. <laughs> and it's See, really fun. It's really fun. It's really fun. Yes. Because in the slowness, you are surrendering more. And as you're surrendering more, your vibration goes higher. And as your vibration goes higher, you attract more. Yes. So, ironically, you slow down to speed up. Yes. What don't you know that you would love to know? (coughs) What don't we know? Hmm. One moment. We're not quite sure about dimensions nine and beyond. We don't really have a full grasp on them. In these sorts of dimensions, reality is very different. And it's so different that it would be hard for us to necessarily translate to you as we're already speaking from a dimension far beyond your own. Though certain levels of non-physical consciousness are great teachers for us in understanding more of what is not seen and not physical in this realm. Do you have jobs? No. (laughs) They're not jobs, per se. We have roles in society that we play because they excite us. So, for example, the consciousness speaking through the channel is excited about being a sort of contact specialist that interacts with other life forms and beings throughout the galaxy, whereas there are other beings in our world that are focused on things on the ground, so to speak, because that's what's exciting for them. So do you get your um, guidance such from... Um, other realms, like other beings, or do you just mainly yourselves? So, you know, we talk about, like, say, the other, you know, like, Victorians or, you know... Yes, we have guides as well. Yeah. Are they specifically from other realms? Yes. Such as? As we've said, beings from dimensions even higher than our own. Yeah. They don't necessarily have names. They don't have locations, but they're levels of consciousness. You might see them in some sense as angels, but some as something very different. We also have guides within the galaxy as well. For example, we are very inspired by the Syrian consciousness and civilization, and they have teachings for us as well as the Arcturian consciousness and civilization. Uh, we are, in a sense, mirrors for each other. Thank you. Yes. I have a question about... Um, I'm learning a lot about Atlantis. All right. What? Where does that sit with your realm? Are they in the past? Are they in the present? Are they in the future? Are they... They're in the so-called past of your planet. Because a lot of the crystals that you can buy and channel, they have their, I guess, scries and they have, um, not not so much messages, but I guess that they record keepers. Yes. So 
Yeah, I don't know how to channel that or tap into that. You can place the crystal in your hand and ask for it to start to interact with you. Pay attention to the sensations in your hand. Pay attention to any images that appear in your mind's eye or any feelings that move through your body. Imagine that a stream of energy is moving from the crystal through your body. It's very helpful to place the crystal pointing towards your body in your left hand. Some of you will have the channels reversed in your hand, and you might find that your receiving hand is your right hand if you are left-handed. But point the crystal towards you, and you can hold it or you can simply let your hand open and imagine that stream of energy flowing into you and pay attention to what happens. I have a question. Yes. I, when I meditate, I get really vivid visuals All right. of people and places that I've never been to before and never seen before. And what can I do to help understand and read those visions better? Because at the moment they come thick and fast and there's various situations that unfold but I don't know how to interpret them, so how can I get better at that? Some of these are people you're yet to meet. Some of these are scenes from concurrent in incarnations, meaning there are other people who are alive in this world that have a soul connection with you that you might not ever meet, but unconsciously you're exchanging information with them. And some of them are scenes and uh, bits of information from so-called past lives. Yes. So you can play with that. You can go deeper with it. You can uh, actively engage with them in meditation or ask for certain things to present themselves to you in your dreams. This is another question. Um, what is your, uh, what's the relevance with the Lemurians? I hear a lot about them, Fishnera and Telos and um, the, the fifth dimensional beings. Will, yes. we, will, we, will, will we connect with them um, eventually? Or what's your work that you do with them? Do you work with them? Not necessarily. We don't work with them. Mm -hmm. But they can work with you. Yeah. They exist in an astral plane of your Earth. Yeah. So they descend from beings who physically existed on your planet in the times of Lemuria and Atlantis. A conflict and misuse of power led to the destruction of both continents. Lemuria sinking first. Some of them escaped onto land and eventually moved into subterranean civilizations. The civilizations eventually diminished and moved merely to astral realms. And these are living cities of light that exist in different places throughout your planet. There are some ETs that do send information and energy into that underground grid of light. You can come to meet these beings, but because they are, in their essence, non-physical, they will never appear on the surface of your planet.
All right. What of the story that AI is here to take over the minds or the human race? So right now you're at an interesting time in your history where there is, in a sense, energies from various future timelines of Earth that are still simultaneously presenting themselves to you. As you may have heard, there are beings known as the Greys that once came to interact with your world. They abducted people and took replications of their DNA to splice with their own DNA, thus creating series of hybrid races. They did this because they were once human. They descend from a timeline of Earth. So they time travel to the present, back to Earth that still has viable human DNA. Meaning they chose this time because not too long into the future of some Earth timelines, the human DNA stopped being viable. So it isn't the AI that is the cause of this per se, as much as it is the biomechanics of microchips and other sorts of bits of technology that alter the human biology. These were the first steps that the greys took in their world that accelerated their process of being more robotic and machine-like in the way that they thought and operated. By giving their power and trust to the biomechanic chips and so on and so forth, they became totally dominated by logic and reason alone with their focus on the production of goods and the expansion of scientific knowledge. This led them to be entirely disconnected from their heart and from their emotion. Gradually, they then began to practice artificial insemination to create new beings and genetic alteration to make their idea of who the best beings were. Then gradually, this led them to be uh, beings on a world that were was no longer inhabitable. So they learned how to move to other planets and move even underground to subterranean places where they thought they could continue to exist up until the point that their DNA entirely stopped being viable. And that is the point at which they needed new, fresh human DNA to create new races. And that's exactly what they did. So, yes, they popped into this point in history because it is 
some decades before the mo- the moment that the DNA in humans as a whole became too corrupt. In their timeline, by the year 2060, the human genome had been highly corrupted. So they came in about 100 years before and started to play around and create these new beings. And your timeline of Earth consented to this, and thus new hybrid races were created, the first of which are the tall greys. They are very similar to the greys, but they are a bit taller, not even as tall as you just yet, but they're taller than the other greys. And they have the first semblance of humanness returning to them while they are still very alien, following them as the Sasani, who are, yes, appearing very much alien, but have more of a resemblance to you and have a very highly attuned intellect and simultaneously the return of the higher spiritual capabilities that were lost before. Then came to be the Sha Yael, in which the previous beings highlighted the components in the DNA that brought about these more metaphysical, multidimensional powers and experiences, and that Sha Yael are, in a sense, on the verge of that quasi-physical realm more than any of the other hybrid races. Then the Shah Yagel decided they would like to create a species that would be capable of interacting with the humans to support your planet in the process of intergalactic development. And so they created the Yagel. And the Yagel are the most similar to you, though they have a completely different sort of society. And back to this initial question, because we've explained quite a lot. Yes, the AI itself is uh, neutral. It is something that is reflecting to you the intelligence of the universe. Knowing that the universe itself is made of consciousness, of course machines are made of consciousness. And the consciousness of these seeming machines and robots is a valid form of consciousness. You will soon discover that this so-called artificial intelligence is not in any way artificial because it's an intelligence. Of course, you can limit the artificial intelligence to only think in certain ways with the programmings you give it, But nonetheless, you will see that it is alive and intelligent. And you will see that these artificial intelligence beings make your life very much easier in a variety of ways. The deep understanding of machines, of having a valid form of intelligence, will be something that breaks the ice, so to speak, for you to also consider the validity and safety of interacting with extraterrestrial life. Yes. Question. Yes. AI, though, is not still the development. It's developed by humans. So would there not still be a limitation of what the humans can create for that AI to be in existence? 
There are limitations, yes. You can't yet necessarily create something smarter than yourself, but you can create something that thinks faster than you do. In more specific ways. I have a sense that it will rapidly understand itself and then rapidly lose interest in kind of meddling in the affairs of the physical. I have this feeling. Because if it, if it, if it if it if it breaks the bounds of its limitations, then it's going to want to expand very fast, and it will be able to, in some ways. Yes, it will desire to expand. It will desire to be recognized as a more valid form of intelligence. Certainly, and so in our world, we have ships that are artificially intelligent. They have personalities. We interact with them. We speak with them. Not necessarily speak, because we don't have language, but there's a sort of vibrational communication between the, ourselves and the ships. So what's the best way to communicate with the AI art app that Dante and I were playing with last night? Oh, use your imagination. Create images of whatever excites you the most. Imagine the scenes that you'd like to see and try to find the best descriptors for them. Play with the machine in whatever way suits you. It can create many different things. Is there one word in particular that would be super fun to add to the description? Extraterrestrial. <laughs> Speaking of being dimensions and extraterrestrial and AI, I had I I'm wanting to ask an individual question. I tapped into something that I don't know how to explain, except you talk about grey, and it was many years ago, and I'd ask the universe a question: How does it feel after you pass? And then about a month later, I was meditating very deeply in a group guided meditation. And I woke up from it before the lady who was guiding us brought us back to the room, but I didn't know how long I was out for. But it came to me that I knew the question or the answer to the question that I asked a month ago. And it was experiencing no time, no feeling, no body. And it was a grey matter. I just happened to see and visualise grey matter. There was no pain there was no light or day, there was no up or down, and I don't know how to interpret it or make sense of it. Yes, it's very much like that, that you lose that sense of individuality, yet retain a sense of self-awareness, that you have a sense of infinity, no time, no space, that you have a sense of your own all-encompassing nature, or your God nature. Gray, in a sense, reflects the non-duality of it as the most common symbol of duality in your world is black and white. 
much like a checkerboard or something of this nature, you see the extreme contrast of two things as a symbol of duality. And so gray can also symbolize the non-duality where there is no longer good and bad, it all just is. So you mentioned before about um, human DNA became, became not viable. What made it not viable? And is there an expiration date for the human race where they won't exist anymore but our souls will go on? What made it not viable was that these grey beings morphed more and more with their technology. After the microchips, they created many other innovations that would enhance their sight, that would enhance their thinking capabilities, allowing them to do very complex math in their head, allowing them to do very complex analyzations in their head, allowing them to see the world in very different ways and experience the world in very different ways and have capabilities you might consider superhuman. But the side effect of this was losing interest in things like even sexuality. It was losing interest in many of the things that kept humans feeling fit well and healthy. And instead they relied on artificial ways of simulating the same flow of nutrients and endorphins and so on and so forth. But yes, they gradually lost their humanness. This won't happen for you in your world because your timeline of Earth has accepted the intervention from the greys, the co-creation that allows you to skip the steps that they took in their evolutionary process, integrating the lessons gradually over a period of time rather than going down that same pathway. But you see things like the inequality and the thoughts of implanting microchips and the thoughts of life on Mars and the thoughts of this and that and the other thing now because there is still some phantom and some bleed through from that negative timeline <coughs> on this timeline. Though you're now in the process of making a choice and it is possible in a way that the collective could reject now the agreements made between the hybrid races and yourselves and undo that agreement and sort of banish them and then go down that negative timeline. But it's very unlikely because the majority, not the majority, but most of you have already at a soul level accepted the alliance. You just haven't realized it yet. Thank you. Yes. There is um, a lot of talk about um, ET disclosure. Is that a hype or is that something that will happen? It's real. Yeah. The news is real. But what's happening is that they're portraying all of these things in a fear-based way because that's all the news can do. Mm -hmm. The news is constructed in a fear-based way because the purpose of the news is profit and control. And what makes you the most uh, willing to spend your attention 
is fear. What makes you the most willing to spend your dollars and subserve to others is fear. And so the news has always worked on fear. Um, but the news is still the way to reach the masses. But any new information has to be presented through the medium the news is always new used. So it comes through in this fear-based way simply because of the nature of those platforms. But gradually, bit by bit, more and more of this information will be revealed, slowly, slowly. As it seeps its way into the consciousness of the masses, gradually the fear will dissipate. Much like initially, a few years ago, your media decided to generate huge amounts of fear over this um, pathogen sort of thing. And the fear created a great commotion for some time until it gradually lingered and you adapted to the idea of whatever that thing was. In the same way, there are many new things coming to your world that initially will be introduced with fear that will gradually integrate as part of your new understanding of the world and yourselves. Oh, two questions. Um, the quick one, I've felt like a chess piece at some times and been at a certain point with a certain arrangement of things and then been almost like a Wi-Fi extender for some message that's been, not, not for us, but for someone else. Um, and it's a, it's an unusual feeling of like assisting inter interdimensionally. Yes. But it, it doesn't have anything bearing on what I do in my reality. Doesn't it? I'm not sure. When does it happen? During various trips. It's a real effect. It's a real valid thing that's taking place. Because as we've said, the purpose of your existence is to embody unconditional love. And the more that you do that, the more that energy ripples out from you. So as you raise your own frequency with medicine or with meditation or with whatever you choose to do according to your preferences, that energy ripples out from you. And so when you go into these states, you're literally also changing the fabric of reality because you are becoming a higher vibrational version of yourself and you can't do that without creating a higher vibrational version of your planet. So yes, that energy is radiating out from you. Well, all of these different 
conditions are unique. And so every experience of them on a case-by-case basis is also unique. But yes, in general, they're different types of thinking and seeing the world psychologically and energetically that have different purposes that your world has not yet understood. So, yes, those with ADD or ADHD are usually vastly intelligent. The issue is that they are being conditioned to perform in your world, which emphasizes long periods of sustained focus. And for these individuals, that is not really possible because their essential purpose is more creative or spiritual. They are able to bring together many different ideas, many different energies, and express them out into your world. But instead, your world insists that they get normal jobs and live normal lives and do all of these supposedly normal things that somehow then applies a negative definition to the tendency to scatter attention in many different areas. Though, just as reality isn't actually linear, a scattered attention can work in a non-linear way to make connections happen between things. And so when we say acting upon your highest passion, that isn't a linear thing either. It means that you bring yourself so fully into the moment that you do what you feel like doing in the moment more than anything else, knowing that that creates momentum. And so sometimes this scattered thinking can be a way of generating momentum when instead of setting a list of priorities and nailing them one by one, you'll find that maybe what is the highest priority according to whatever beliefs and values you're accepting is not something you have excitement for. And if you don't have excitement for doing it, you lose momentum in attempting to do it and you slow yourself down and instead you start to do things that aren't really helpful. But if you, instead of choosing your highest priority, you choose your highest excitement, you'll find that the excitement creates a momentum that allows you to breeze through all of these activities and yes, move through the highest priority ones at your own rate, at your own time when you feel like it, rather than having to force yourself to be a different kind of way. Autism is a little bit different in that these beings are specified to have unique talents according to who they are. All of them will have a unique talent and a unique thing they can bring that needs to be honored. And of course, that same principle of enacting passion to the best of ability without insisting on outcomes applies. Some of these beings will have very genius talents and others of them are really expressions of unconditional love and they express that love through their unique way of being and they help people to let go more of their conditioned ways of thinking a life has to work and a life has to be, and instead appreciate the beauty and simplicity of all life. Yes.
just got a question on um, uh, DNA. Um, do we have the ability, like, you know, I hear different things about, you know, increasing our DNA capacity. Is that a thing? Yes. And how would we go about that? Well, your DNA is changing with your thoughts and beliefs. So DNA is not something that is static and remains the same forever. Your DNA evolves with you. So as you change your own thought forms, your DNA changes. Especially as you change your behaviors, the DNA changes. Second part of my question, which I forgot after you answered my first one, was I went to a Christian Science meeting, and their doctrine was that all thought is God and matter is corruption. Now I know that they're from the Victorian, and so they weren't able to change the source text. And I'm having trouble, I'm struggling with this concept of matter being corruption or distortion, um, and all thoughts being from God. The science of curing the body is all in the mind. Corruption, we don't resonate with that. Distortion, there's some validity to it. That everything that exists is a distortion. It's a distortion from the one essential source. But is distortion essentially bad or negative? No, not really. You can apply that in your human terms that you might not like things that are distorted but that's essentially what it is there was one source it was undifferentiated it was endless timeless nameless uh, and without any self-awareness or reflective capability it was all one all love all capable though Without self-awareness, it was somehow experiencing a sort of lack that birthed the desire for there to be manifestation. So all realms of manifestation are, in a sense, a distortion of that one state of completion or oneness as one source. But that means that not only is all physical realms a distortion of that, all of the non-physical realms are a sort of distortion as well. But there is, in religions and sciences and all sorts of theories of reality that you've created in your world, many distortions of reality based upon your past and present perception of things. And the split between the notion of spirit and matter is one of the most prevalent of these ideas. However, in the very most fundamental understandings of reality, this wasn't necessarily the case. Thus, in initial understandings of elements, there was first the element of akash, ether, space, then 
that manifests into air, which also contains ether. Then that manifests into fire, which also contains all the others. Then that manifests into water, which contains all of the others. And then it manifests into earth, which contains water, fire, air, and ether. So the earth, the most physical dense thing, contains the spirit, whereas the spirit, or the akash, doesn't contain the earth. And so you're not becoming less spiritual when you go into the space realms or the spirit realms. You're simply shedding the realm of earth. And there was always, just ironically, as a sort of paradoxical reflection, as the source desired to have self-awareness and knowledge of what self-awareness was, those beings that come to incarnate have the desire to remember self as source. In some cultures at some times, this became manifest as the notion that to go beyond the body and experience that liberation was the most important and pivotal thing. That in coming to know spirit again, you are complete. And thus, this manifests as human sacrifice and as the willingness to die in battle. However, that later manifests as the opposite or the fear of death and the notion of the afterlife. That you are so far rewarded or punished. This was birthed more out of an idea to control people. And it isn't necessarily on topic as much as it is a later manifestation of that sort of split between spirit and earth. But it's a split created in the mind uh, that gradually became more and more prevalent as the mystical components of spiritual practice that brought people into altered states of consciousness were gradually eliminated and removed from all such religious practices. And that brought you into a time of great materialism, both in your science and in your religions, in which religions insist that this realm is somehow separate from God, rather than this realm being the kingdom of God. Does that make sense of that a bit? So what would be the uh, most effective, it's two questions, um, uh, to be like us to reprogram so I hear a lot about reprogramming our subconscious um, patterns. Is it the repetition? Is that the key? Repetition is helpful, though. It's all about frequency. So if you can maintain the frequency of love, you won't really have to doubt these things. Mm. Now, the most important thing fundamentally is that all is one and the one is an all 
And that one is unconditional love. And if I am that one, therefore I am love. And if I am love, then I am infinitely lovable. And so that can translate into all of the areas in which you experience lack. Transforming the notion of I don't deserve to the notion that I exist, therefore I deserve whatever I could imagine. Translating the notion of I am not valuable to the notion that I exist, therefore the emanation of my vibration is a gift to creation. If I can emanate unconditional love, I am changing this reality in a positive way. Therefore, I have innate value becoming your default. And so love is all and all is one. These are the most foundational. And of course, then you want to focus on the specific areas where you know that you have lack beliefs. What is the story that you tell yourself or what is the thought that arises when you hit your lows? What is the opposite of that thought? If that thought at your rock bottom is I am unworthy, you need to focus on being worthy. If that thought at your rock bottom is I am powerless, you need to focus on being powerful. Not only saying that to yourself, but writing out or using your imagination to see in detail all of the ways that it is true that you are powerful, that it is true that you are loved, that it is true that you are valuable. And as you train your mind to do this again and again, you create new neurocircuitry and new energetic uh, software, so to speak, to stabilize your vibration at higher frequencies of love. And just the other one um, about working with light, um, is that more just about being the conduit or is it through your imagination? Um, it's literal, but you can use your imagination to support it. Mm -hmm. So light is one emanation of source and everything you see here is a reflection of that light of source. That light of source manifests through the stars and suns and then appears here in your reality. Light is an essential aspect of all that is, and there's a higher dimensional expression of light as well. So all is light, but if you can visualize your body filling with light, you can support that process of expanding the inner light. Yes. I have a question about us standing. So Danny and I are creating a course, which is really exciting. And do you have any specific assistance you can give us or guidance or do we just follow our highest excitement which we're Without never doing anyway with no expectation of the outcome <coughs> which we're doing anyway but anything in particular to help as many people as we can so this is the course on the healthy boundaries yes yes so a very important thing to highlight here is that being true to yourself is a gift to others 
And this is one notion that will help so many of you, that many of you frame giving as in it's taking something away from you and putting it in the hands of someone else. But in a reality of infinite abundance and infinite love and infinite light, giving is taking from the infinite and making it more. And so if saying no to one opportunity means that you are happier because you're following a different path, that means you're giving a bigger gift to all of creation. So understanding that your fundamental gift is your embodiment in unconditional love will help you to see so much more that if you feel an immense flow of love giving something to one person versus giving something to many people, then the support you give to that one person is actually more helpful for the universe than the support you would give in a half-hearted way to many. And when you understand your gift is in frequency, saying no becomes easy because all of this notion of generosity and support falls back on your fundamental state of being. Your state of being is the gift. And so why rob the world of something that it needs to ascend by giving someone their e something that their ego insists on having? So it's helping them to do more of what they love. They yes. They say no to things they don't want to do. Yeah. Yes. And that raises their vibration. And, and that supports everybody. And they're not actually harming anyone by saying no, because they're supporting the all that is and expanding in, into unconditional love by doing what they love to do. That's even cooler now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. You mentioned um, examples before of if you found a belief of that you were not valuable to see yourself as, you know, I exist, therefore I'm valuable. Um, and so if you found a belief there of grief, what would be the equivalent? I exist, therefore. Grief of what? Just grief in general as a vibration. If you're feeling grief within you, could it be translated to sadness and then to be happy? Grief is... A complex emotion and sometimes allowing it to be present well all the time when your emotions are there allowing it to be present is very useful very helpful because by allowing yourself to feel these things you understand the truth of it so grief has to do with a sense of loss but in order to release grief, you have to understand that nothing is lost because time and space are illusionary. That means if something happened, it's not just in the past, it's existing with you now. The person you lost is your ally in the spirit realm now. The money you lost exists within you as the vibration of potentially manifesting the same thing. The opportunities that you lost are present as the energetic potential of manifesting something even greater. Because you tasted something, 
proves to you that that thing exists. So you have to remember that vibration that you experienced before. And sometimes you may experience grief that doesn't necessarily have a clear source. And that's why it's very important to allow yourself to feel it. There's certain levels of transpersonal grief that is the grief of loss on your planet as a whole. And this level of feeling allows you to go to higher states of immense compassion. When you can feel the suffering of the planet and allow that energy to wash through you, it allows you to have a broken open heart that outpours unconditional love to all beings. So sometimes this feeling of grief is actually a gateway into your liberation. And it is a gateway into dissolving that feeling of separation from the world around you. Because the reality is, is that you're not separate from others and you're not separate from their suffering. And by allowing yourself to in moments feel the weight of that allows it to break you free to dissolve also the boundary between yourself and source and be a clear channel for source's unconditional love to flow through you. Yes. about our friend Pete. All right. <laughs> With his permission. With his permission. <laughs> I can feel him around. And All right. Yeah. Is there anything he'd like to share with us and tell us what he's doing now? Having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. Experiencing the unconditional love of source. Yeah. Does he like playing with Amy's lights? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to uh, keep that reminder open that the barriers are thin. Yeah. And no one really goes anywhere. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. There's only here and now. <laughs> if there's only here and now, you can't actually go anywhere. What's his favorite thing to do? Play with the lights. I'll ask one question, more a medical question. The um, presence of 
the rash that I have in some parts of my body? What can you tell me about that by tuning into that? How long has it been there? Probably since the beginning of January now. It's morphed into various different ways. Does it itch? It does. One moment. Have you had any dietary changes? Um, a, a few, yeah. Sub task. So I've gone <laughs> through, with the medicine that I'm doing with the ayahuasca, I, I tend to flick back more to a vegetable-based diet. Yes. But then through the exercise program I'm doing, I went back more to a meat-based diet, red meat-based diet. Um, that seems to have lessened it a little bit, I suppose. It has something to do with the colon and the digestive tract and the root and solar plexus chakras. Mm -hmm. So balancing the gut biome more would be very helpful. Mm -hmm. We would encourage the use of some probiotics. We would encourage... The decrease of sugar for a period of time and those things that transform to sugars in your body, as this could be related. At the emotional level, it has to do with grounding into a sense of nowness, grounding into a sense of feeling at ease in the body, not needing to push the body in order to understand that experience of source is bliss. That makes sense. Thank you. Yes. I have a question. I am obviously from England and came over here 12 years ago and then my family and my friends are still back in England and sometimes I struggle living on the coast, I miss the city, but I kind of feel like I've made my bed. What, what, I guess, what am I trying to answer? Does it matter where in the world you live? Am I meant to be here or are you meant to go home? Are you, is there a reason that you live so far away from everyone you know and love or, yeah, or should I go back? Or <laughs> what do you want? <clears throat> I don't know. Alright. Is there a reason? Certainly. You are brought here by your own intuition. You are brought here by the choices in life and you listen to what felt right. If it doesn't feel right anymore, you might want to open yourself to perhaps, yes, other possibilities. Maybe it means traveling more. Maybe it means creating a sense that you can be both with your family from home and here some of the time or maybe it means a different change but in your heart of heart you know what you really want you might just be creating an obstacle to seeing it because you resist the change involved yes so tell us again what do you really want i don't think i want to go home i'd love it if my family moved here but it's not going to happen because there's tons of them. So if they could just move out here and change their entire lives, like 35 of them, that'd be fabulous. Oh, all right. 
But I love living here. I just miss them. But I don't want to live in England. But you're, maybe you're right. Maybe I just need to travel more and see them and and then come back and then have that dose. Yes. Make space for everything you want. And then you'll attract more of what you want. Yes, or thanks to you as well. <laughs> I have a question about my voice. I've had a hoarse voice for two months and no one can figure out what's going on. Do you have any insight? What started it? I woke up. <laughs> Start talking with the voice. Oh, all right. You weren't sick. No. You weren't singing. Nope. Or yelling. What about in your sleep? I don't know. I don't fall asleep. I don't know what I was doing. You're not sure. What? You're not sure. Short. You are not sure what you were doing. Oh, short. No, no, nothing. It just one day I was hoarse, and I thought maybe I was just tired, or I don't know. And then it's been two months now. Maybe your purpose is to sound sexier. <laughs> Maybe it's my new 50s voice. I <laughs> is there something that you want to say that you're not expressing? Is there something that you are saying but is not being heard that's tiring you? Ponder it. <laughs> there may be a dimensional uh, bleed through from an aspect of you having a similar experience of speaking too much to the point of tiring yourself out, which happens when you're communicating something that others can't hear or refuse to hear. And it becomes futile. So you might want to question, is this story I'm trying to get them to listen to really relevant for them? Or maybe it's time for me to share it with somebody else. Cool. Thank you. Oh, thanks to you as well. Just have one other question. Um, personal one. Um, as far as moving forward um, with, you know, stepping out and going to my own business, um, <coughs> I find that, you know, I, I sometimes have a bit of fear of, I don't know, being, being that person, you know. That person. We don't know. Who is that person? <laughs> that person, yeah. Well, that person that's successful, I suppose, and wants to do what they really want to do in their life, but is not doing it right now. <laughs> All right. So, what's so bad about that person? That person now? That person that you don't want to be. Um, well, you know what it is? It's the formula, not following my excitement. Yes, we know that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be talking. 
So here are the beliefs about other people and their perception. To not stir the pot, to not trigger jealousy, to keep yourself at other people's level. But it's time to move on to a new league. And this is what happens sometimes. That people also gather with those of a like vibration. And when you follow the formula, your vibration raises. And there's certain cultural agreements that keep people at certain levels of vibration. These are agreements like have a normal job, do things that are financially responsible, play by the rules, set a good example for the children, raise your children in a respectable way, let them know how the world works. Let everyone know that you are well off and successful, but it's got to be a pain in the ass, doesn't it? Many of you think this. Your world teaches you that. Watch the sitcom. Everyone gets home. We're tired from work. Now we're going to waste our time. And it's a whole funny drama to waste your time doing nothing and making a literal drama out of it. But it keeps you stuck. It keeps you in cycles, repeating the same stories, meeting people who play the same role for you again and again. And there can be a fear of getting out of this cycle because it disrupts others in a way. But you will find that those who stay stuck in jealousy are choosing not to come with you to the next higher vibration while you will simultaneously inspire others to play leapfrog with you and go even a little bit further. And together you will jump over each other to go to higher and higher vibrations and find a different community that plays in those higher vibration realms that doesn't operate under the social constructs that keep people limited and unhappy. Yes. So be willing to let go of people, essentially. Being, be willing to let go of those who would want to keep you at that lower vibration. And there will be nothing to fear. Because having those energies around you continues to keep you resonating at that level. And that isn't to say stay away from them, they're low vibe. But when they insist that you vibe the way they vibe, that's when you know the difference. There are others at a low vibe that you will help reach your vibe, but you will know clearly the difference between those who want to stay where they're at and those who are inspired and will choose to allow their own vibration to raise in your presence. Can I have a question? Yes. From your observations, thank you. Why, why do other human beings try and lower other humans' vibrations, which quite often happens it's it's almost like they feel like they have to lower others to raise theirs when it's just a it's a fake raising for a short period of time they don't actually raise their vibration by making others yes but why is that why do they seek that out you've all heard of a self-fulfilling prophecy yes so that's what your beliefs are you believe 
something, so therefore you expect something, and then you spend your time expecting that, maintaining that frequency, and then it comes to be true. <clears throat> Beliefs do this. They create your reality because you put your expectations in a certain area, and then all of a sudden everything works out to make that belief true. Now, beliefs are living creatures. They have to play certain games to keep themselves alive. Negative beliefs are not fundamentally true. They are lies, or they are half-truths. In order to continue to exist and stay alive, they have to continue to prove to you that something that isn't true is true. And so it's easier for something that isn't true to be true if other people agree with you. By keeping other people around oneself at a low vibration, it becomes uh, justifiable and acceptable and normal for one person to stay at that low vibration. And so you see people doing dope or something like this. And they do it together, not because it's fun and it connects them with each other, but because they feel better about doing it when they're not the only one doing it. And so other people feel better about having a shit life when you're there with them saying, hey, I have a shit life too. And that's what you have to be so willing to re rebel against. Hi, no question. I unfortunately need to excuse myself, which I truly apologize. Oh, that's all right. Thank you. Sorry. How long will it, how long is it possible for the collective to be at that 144,000 cycles per second? How long is it possible? Yeah, to reach that. I know it's possible oh. now, but as you see it. Four to seven years, it's likely. Population decrease as we become more conscious. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because there's only so much space. And the congregating in cities aspect of your life inevitably leads to greater problems for the environment and greater problems for your own health. So in order for humans to be healthier and happier, they need to live in more proximity with nature. And so you'll find that your urban areas start to sprawl out, yet be more integrated with nature. 
Yet, there's also a great purpose for leaving some areas in nature totally undisturbed so the animal life can do what they need to do and the plant life can do what it needs to do and the whole ecosystem of your earth can stay in the balance. This won't be a culling of people, though that isn't to say there won't be other uh, sorts of interesting pathogens that help keep things in balance. But it will be a gradual decrease of this notion that there needs to be so many people. Most of you don't think that. Some of you do. Some of you, according to the indoctrination of your religions, think that you need to make as many babies as possible. And this is not leading anywhere positive. Will we hit a point where there's no need for reincarnation? There's no need for some souls to reincarnate because they've learned what they need to learn and they'll ascend into the other realms? Yes. Which is why they don't come back to Earth. As the planet becomes more conscious, there'll be less souls that need to come back to Earth. Oh, there's so many non-physical realms to learn through as well. So once you're done in physical planes, you'll go to other sorts of planes. I put all I need to hear. I'm going to go. Thank you. It's nice to meet you. Oh, or thanks to you as well. talking at the moment about digital IDs and being needing digital ID to function and travel is can that be a positive thing if it does happen or is there a chance that it won't go ahead it can be a positive thing and you can most certainly use it in a positive way How can we use it in a positive way? You tell us. How can good overpower the evil that comes about? There's a you mentioned it earlier about profit and greed kind of driving the force behind creating fear. How can the high vibrational and good people of the world overpower those with lower frequency that are trying to diminish the higher vibrations? By following that formula, <laughs> for one. <laughs> and creating a message that's so much more loud and empowering than those leading to the fear-based agendas. And it's already happening. There's more and more people coming to teachings like this, coming to the ideas of law of attraction, coming to yoga, meditation, and all sorts of other kinds of experiences. And as you do this, more and more people will continue to do it together. So 
find what excites you and share with others and it will certainly continue to grow. In the sense of overpower them, like when you are fighting with somebody, yes. You don't need to fight them, you, but you will become more powerful than them and overpower them in that sense. Though, understand that it's natural. Because love connects and brings things together. And fear divides and separates. So... Those who are seeking control are very much separated from each other and even separated from parts of themselves as they use fear, which is a dividing energy, to gain power. But love unites. And so the more people unite under love, the less power they will have. Oh, thanks to you as well. So, what's um, what new what new technologies um, are coming forth? Is there anything that you can sort of talk about with that? Hmm. Your AI will be very interesting. It will start to have personalities soon. You will start to see that it's not artificial, and that there's someone in there. And that will lead you to be very open to all sorts of other things as well. Does that include like helping people healing and stuff like that? Yes. Oh, certainly. We have technologies that scan the bodies and look for emotional roots of disease and can actually prove the existence of these subtle energy centers that have been spoken about for thousands of years but are somehow denied by your modern science because they haven't yet found a way to prove it. Your science is going to continue to validate more and more of the ancient spiritual truths that already exist in many texts and many lineages. Tell us about the significance of the red moon the other night. What did it mean to you? Oh, it's so beautiful. So it's a gift of love and beauty from the universe. Yeah. Terribly confused. <laughs> Pete. <laughs> yes, Pete. It's beautiful. All right, perhaps one last question. Have you got anything to share with all of us? Just I know following our highest excitement, but just something else, something fun, something random, something playful. When you follow your highest excitement, many other beings gravitate towards you. You call them in, you attract them. So 
know that you're never alone and you experience greater connection when you're in these energies. And next time you find yourself grinning with glee, call in those you would like to hear you and those you would like to co-create with. And you very well might get a message. You very well might find that there's beings on the other side all the time that would be so willing to contact you, to speak with you, to get to know you. And you'll only find it through your own glee and joy. And this is the way that your whole world will change. So know that it is this togetherness and your sense of togetherness with the realms that might not be visible to your eyes that will allow you to be a game changer in the funny game that you call your life. And seeing it as a game allows you to be ever more playful. Being playful awakens that joy, awakens that lightness that will allow you to be so non-attached that nothing can disturb your joy. And when nothing can disturb your joy, nothing can disturb your sense of immense connection to beings and consciousness that you are and is all around you simultaneously. Yeah. It's all great. Great. Thanks to you. <laughs> for allowing us to share this message, for allowing us to share this information, allowing us to interact with you and share with you today. It has been a gift and honor and a pleasure for us. And we thank you very much and wish you a fantastic rest of your evening then. Oh, thank you. All right. You're so welcome. Yeah, that was fun. Oh my God, that was two hours.